0: Alright, today's scripture reading is from Acts, so I'll be reading from the same version as your Pew Bibles, so the Pew Bibles, if you look on page 779, Acts 11, we'll start there, so page 779 in the Pew Bibles, Acts 11, and the Pew Bibles are in NIV 84, so that's what I'll be reading. Acts 11:19 through 21 Now those who had been scattered by the persecution in connection with Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, telling the message only to Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to the Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. Now we'll skip over to page 781, Acts 13. Acts 13one 13, 3 In the church at Antioch, where there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manan, who was brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed they placed their hands on them and sent them off. Now we'll turn to the next page, Acts 13:44 to 49 On the next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. When the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and talked abusively against what Paul was saying. Then Paul and Barnabas answered them boldly, We had to speak the word of God to you first, since you reject it and do not consider yourselves worthy of eternal life. We now turn to the Gentiles, for this is what the Lord has commanded us. I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. When the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and honored the word of the Lord, and all who were appointed for eternal life believed. The word of the Lord spread through the whole region. May God bless the reading of his word. Next we're going to have Brian. Brian's going to come up and talk to us a little about um, some... Things about the future of our English ministry. All right.
1: Thanks, Jason. So I like this church. Is it too soon? I like this church, but oftentimes, um, if you're like me, um, it's a little bit difficult to explain to other people, especially for visitors and potential visitors, you know, what it's like to come and worship among us and to have community amongst us. And this is one of the things that we like to uh, help uh, ourselves in terms of how do we relate to others within our church, as well as how do we relate to others who we may want to bring into t- uh, our community here. So, there's a lot of uh, questions uh, that I introduced a little back earlier in the summer that we've been starting to look at uh, from a congregation standpoint. Uh, in particular, as we think about our English ministry as a whole, you know, what is our particular function within the broader uh, Chinese church? Uh, how do we relate to other congregations in this church? We've got other campuses, we've got youth, and we've got uh, you know Chinese ministry and so on. You know, how should we all function and live together uh, as part of, uh, part of a broader church community? Uh, and then finally, how should we you know, target and bring other people uh, to uh, worship and commune with us, uh, who are the people who might uh, enjoy our community just as much as we do. And some of these things uh, we've been thinking about uh, for quite some time as part of an English uh, ministry overall, and uh, earlier this summer I had shared with you a proposed identity uh, draft document. Uh, You've got a reprint of that in your bulletins. But I wanted to just uh, give you both a reminder of what we spoke about earlier this summer as well as an update uh, in terms of what are some of the next steps uh, that we're starting to uh, take a look at. Uh, Now, when we had uh, put together our overall uh, summary of who we are as a congregation and uh, answer to those questions I raised earlier, there were sort of five uh, areas that we sort of honed in on. Uh, First, obviously, uh, we're a subset of the larger CBCGB church here, uh, and that's something that we don't want to lose. We think there's something special about being at part of this broader church. But as we think about our English ministry here uh, in particular, there's a number of things that sort of make us unique within the context of our church. Uh, And so last week, uh, Chuck preached about our core values, and so these are the things that we believe and that we hold on to as sort of the things that uh, we are... uh, uh, build our foundations on and that we sort of think are immutable regardless of uh, what goes on around us. Uh, we've got to focus in terms of how do we start to leverage our vocations so that we might be able to use our job and our workplaces and our ministries in order to help uh, advance the purpose of God's kingdom in our workplace. And then as we take a look at who we are, uh, we can take advantage of the fact that we've got a lot of different cultures uh, here and many multicultural people here, and that gives us the opportunity to serve as a bridge in terms of how we uh, relate to other people, and then finally we can integrate all these things together. Uh, Now, Jen and I were out in California last week, uh, and we had an interesting experience. Uh, We had dinner uh, with one of our friends out there who happens to be uh, Jewish and also a pretty staunch atheist, but culturally Jewish and uh, he was asking us what we did that day and we were just going through oh here's the things that we did and we happened to go to church that morning out in California so we were explaining that to him uh, and he was really surprised because he said oh I thought you guys were smart, I didn't realize that you guys uh, went to church as well uh, and so we, uh, we actually started you know, to share with him a little bit just in terms of well here's you know, who we are and here's what we believe uh, and when we think about a lot of the things that we spoke about uh, they're actually pretty well reflected uh, in the EM identity, you know, so first so far, I mentioned that he's Jewish uh, and he's actually got a PhD in you know, historical studies uh, coming from his background, so he's really, really well versed uh, in terms of you know, Jewish culture, Jewish faith, and things like that. Uh, and so one of the topics that we spoke with him about was uh, you know, he was asking, you know, Christian faith is so easy, right? You guys can just go ahead and believe in Jesus and you're done. You know, look at what we have to do as Jews. You know, we've got all these uh, things which make it uh, much more disciplined and uh, you know, much more uh, rigorous in terms of what it means for us uh, to be Jews and so we walked them through well actually at church we've been looking at this whole Old Testament series uh, where you know this is the way God's been working in the Old Testament and how he works in the New Testament and it's one continuous story uh, we spoke about the fact that you know a lot of the things in terms of you know Christianity is not quite so easy as you make it out to be you know in our culture you know that's the way it is but you know we happen to see Christianity in the context of many other places uh, if you look in China for example there's hundreds of millions of people who worship there and for them it's definitely not an easy decision you know it's a question of are you going to break the law in many cases or are you not going to and so having access to these things you know I think comes out of the fact that these are sort of unique distinctives we have at this church uh, one of the core values that we have is that we're biblical and so the fact that we had that foundation uh, enabled us to have that conversation with him uh, the fact that we're bicultural we can understand you know our American culture but we can tap into other cultures and sort of extract what is Christianity Uh, outside of the uh, the immediate cultures that we lived in uh, helped us have uh, that particular conversation with him as well. So these are some of the things that we want to take advantage of as we start to relate with other people and as we start to explain, well, this is who we are, this is what Christians believe, and this is why you might want to join us. Now... We had a a meeting, a series of meetings with the Board of Elders uh, since we presented to you uh, that draft uh, uh, EM identity document, Uh, and there's a few things that we've done since then. Uh, First off, uh, the Board of Elders has voted unanimously to support us and endorse us in what we're doing. Uh, The fact that we want to create a distinct identity as a part of this overall church that helps us reach out uh, in the ways that I spoke about. Um, as a part of that uh, endorsement, uh, they've given us uh, permission and the freedom to go ahead and pursue a few things. Uh, first off, one of the things that we'll be taking a look at is, you know, given our uh, focus, our, you know, identity, our branding, and so on, we're actually going to try and come up with a name uh, within the context of CBCGB. You know, we're going to look to create a brand new website and a brand new name and a brand new set of branding in terms of who we are. That'll help us describe a little bit better uh, in terms of how we r- relate to And there's a number of very practical reasons uh, for us wanting to do that. Uh, I know this may be a little bit hard for you to read, but what I've done here is I've just gone to the web, onto Google, and I've done a number of searches uh, trying to find our congregation and our church and just showing you uh, what happens when you search for us. Now, if you look on the very left, um, you know, a lot of you will be familiar with uh, Google suggestions and you know, when you start typing a search, Google starts to auto-populate uh, search results for you. Uh, and when you start doing a lot of typical terms that you might uh, think of in terms of you know, things that uh, people might use uh, that would make us uh, pop up, you'll find that we actually don't come up for any of these results. If you start typing C- ECGB and then English or EM or other things, you get a whole bunch of results from the CM side, uh, but almost nothing uh, from the the English side, and that's a challenge for us because as we start to want to bring other people, or if we just hope that people come to find us, uh, the fact that it's so difficult to find us uh, through a search result um, makes it really difficult. Uh, if you become, uh, you know, even more proactive and you actually know something about our church and you start typing in English and other things like that, and you take a look at the actual search results, again uh, we don't show up uh, in the first page of results. We're pretty buried underneath a whole lot of other ministries uh, that are starting to take place across the uh, know, uh, our broader church. And again, this is a challenge just because, you know, we've got the word Chinese embedded in our name, uh, and so naturally a lot of the results that pop up are immediately from the Chinese ministry, uh, but not as much uh, for us and for the people who are coming to find us. So one of the things that uh, we want to do is we want to try to build out a new presence uh, with a a name uh, and a branding that makes it easier to find us and for us to explain uh, who it is uh, that we are. Uh, We don't want to do anything to separate from our church. This is going to be whatever name we pick, which is a ministry of CBCGB, but it'll be an easier way to describe us uh, that is a little bit friendlier and more approachable uh, for other people so that we can share about who we are, what we do, and sort of the things that make us want to come here. So, um, as we go forward, one of the things that we'd love to do is uh, to get your participation uh, as part of this process. Uh, and so, uh, we're going to start to form some committees uh, just to brainstorm. Well, if we want to actually name this ministry and congregation that we're a part of, what would be a good name and what would be a good brand to sort of capture who we are uh, as we describe ourselves to other people uh, so that we don't have to say, no, we're CBCGB EM and explain, well, this is what CBCGB means, this is what EM means, and this is how it comes together. Uh, we want to come up with some uh, new design and branding uh, to be associated uh, with that name so that people can find us and look for us. Uh, We want to build up a website uh, that starts to explain us in context of our broader church. Uh, And most importantly, we'd love to have your feedback. Um, Within uh, your bulletins, you've got the handout of not only the EM uh, identity uh, document summary, but also a frequently asked questions document so you can peruse that, uh, take a look at what was some of our thinking uh, in terms of the things that we want to capture. We'd love to hear your input and your feedback as well. Uh, so there's an email address up here if you uh, want to send uh, any feedback or if you want to volunteer to engage with us around any of the activities. Uh, please send an email up to that address, emlcorecbcgb at googlegroups.com. Uh, that's going to reach the overall EML Core leadership uh, within uh, our English ministry as a whole, uh, and we'll all receive your input. So with that, thank you very much, and we look forward to hearing from you. Sure.
2: Thanks, Brian. So, as we begin the new year, I want to continue with this. We looked at it last week, and we'll look at it this week again, the last time, tying in with what Brian's talking about, looking at the broader issue of our identity as a multicultural or bicultural church. You know, basically, as we start the new year each time, we remind ourselves, what is it, you know, basically, who are we, what do we care about, and what do we do together? So, we looked at our values last week. Our values, what do we care about? What do we prioritize in our life together? We look, well, we consider also, often we consider our focus. What do we do? How do we use our vocations to serve God? And then today, we want to look at our, one specific aspect of our identity. The question really is, to put it most directly, is are we a Chinese church? You think it's pretty obvious. If you look at our website, you see this. If you look at the sign out front, you see this. And you notice maybe that the Chinese lettering is even bigger than the English lettering. So are we a Chinese church? It should be obvious from our name that we are a Chinese church. Well, maybe not quite so obvious if you attend EM, because when I first came, we used to, and the presiders used to welcome people to, we welcome you to the Chinese Bible Church of Greater Boston, and I said, well, you know, not all of us are Chinese. How about we welcome you to CBCGB? Now, that's not even ideal, because it took me 30 days to learn how to say that, CBCGB. You know. And, and Connie stumbled with it a little bit, because she's been away for 20 years, but she helped start this congregation. And we've had English-speaking presiders stumble over those letters. And we've had Chinese, I mean, forget the Chinese ministry, it's really hard to say CBCGB. So we've got to do something about that. But it should be obvious, I suppose, from our sign out front that we're a Chinese church. Because it has the Chinese lettering, it has the name Chinese Bible Church, it has even Chinese coloring. You know, the color scheme is Chinese, right? And you understand that different cultures have different color schemes. I just illustrate this really briefly. I'm colorblind, okay? So I miss a lot of this stuff. But in my wife's home church in uh, Malaysia, it's uh, in in the the town of Malacca. Her her Methodist church painted the building. Now, bear in mind, I'm colorblind. We drove back home one time to visit her family, and her home is in a a village across the street from the church. And I see that church, and I thought, oh. Now, you see, in, in Malaysia, the Methodists, you've got... Tamil Methodists. They're Indians. They've got Tamil Methodist conference, you've got an English Methodist conference, and you've got a Chinese Methodist conference. Now, her, her church is part of the English, Chinese ethnic, but English-speaking Chinese. I saw that church, and I said, oh, your church has moved from the English conference to the Tamil conference. Because not only, even though I'm colorblind, the senior pastor is also colorblind. And when he was asked to vet the colors, they did not paint that in Chinese colors. They painted the church in Indian colors. And there's a difference. So now it looks like an Indian church rather than like a Chinese church. It makes a difference. Now, I tell you, the best sign that we're a Chinese church, that sign, actually, there is a something, if you know the details about that sign, you really know we're a Chinese church. Because the, the trees fell over, hit the sign, bent it all up. And it looked terrible. And for three or four months, nothing happened. And I'm a pastor, I try to keep out of this. You know, it's really for the BO, Board of Deacons. I don't want to be nagging, and I keep out of it. But after three or four months, I finally couldn't, you know, just, you can't have a beat-up sign. I mean, that really makes you look, I don't know, not Chinese. Certainly. <laughs> and so somebody explained to me, well, look, he said, we went even down to Quincy, with a Chinese companies down in Quincy, and they want $5,000 to repair that sign, to replace that sign. And one of our church members who goes back to China in business says, $5,000, don't worry about it, I'll take care of it. He went back to China, and he got that sign, $50. <laughs> now, I don't think we even need our name on that sign. All we need to put on that sign is, we paid $50 for this $5,000 sign, and then you'd really know that we're a Chinese church. And thank you for accepting me that I can joke about an ethnicity that is not my own. Now, if I can take this just, just a little bit further. It, I don't know if I can. We, we could put a little line right at the bottom that says, how much did you pay for your sign? And then they would know that we're Pats fans. Oh, well, okay. Anyway, moving on. Are we a Chinese church? You know, it's really not so obvious, as our sign and our name would suggest, because our bylaws are undergoing transition, or have been undergoing transition. Our bylaws states our purpose. Our purpose is to glorify God by advancing the kingdom of Christ among. And this becomes very important. What's our mission? Our mission and our identity are, are, are connected. Advancing the Kingdom of Christ among, in the 1970s, our mission was to advance the Kingdom of Christ among people from China. Ah, now, remember, think back to the 60s and 70s. We started in in 68. What did people from China mean in 70? Ah, you see, a lot of you don't know that. Maybe too too young to remember that. What that meant was from Taiwan. And the founders were from Taiwan. And then they changed the purpose statement in the 1990s because after 89, slightly before, but really after, we had a flood of people from mainland. And you can't say we're reaching people from China because then you've got an instant argument, which is China, the mainland or Taiwan, the Republic of China or the People's Republic of China. So they changed the name. Or oh, change the statement, the purpose statement. It, 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 as our purpose is to reach people of Chinese heritage in Greater Boston and beyond. And now you do realize one of the most extraordinary things about this church is that over half of our church is from mainland. Do you know the Gospel, you could say the gospel first went to China in the 600s, the 7th century, with the Nestorians, but it kind of died out. You could say that the gospel was in China oh, in the 1500s with the Roman Catholics. You know, and the Protestant movement in China began in the 1800s. But so little movement for so long. And then in the, by, maybe by the Cultural Revolution 1950, maybe a million people. And then the Cultural Revolution and missionaries were forced out. And they were asked, you know, will the church survive? Well, the church in China died through all this suffering. And it's thrived, and it's thrived, and tens of millions of people, Christians now in China. And even in this church, because we had the vision to change the way we set our purpose, we were able to bridge the Straits of Taiwan. And we have people from Taiwan, and we have people from mainland China. We have the majority of our church has shifted from Taiwan, people from Taiwan to people from China. And the elder board is shifted. I don't know what the majority is, I haven't searched it out yet, but it used to be all people from Taiwan. And now we have mainlanders on the elder board, the top leadership, the, the pastoral staff. So we've bridged because we said, you know, what is our purpose? we decided we weren't going to be a church just for people from Ch- Taiwan. But we are going to be a bridge. And all these mainlanders have come. And are now part of us. And now if you look at 2014 bylaws just passed, what does it say? It doesn't say China anymore. It says among all peoples in greater Boston and beyond. Are we a Chinese church? Not according to the bylaws. Maybe still according to the name, but not according to bylaws. How about the BOE vision? The first draft said was our goal was to reach out, make disciples, make disciples for people of Chinese heritage. And this came after the bylaws. And people saw this and they said, Whoa, whoa, whoa wait a minute. And so the second draft says. Our goal is to make disciples from people of multicultural backgrounds. You see, according to the bylaws, according to the BOE, according to our vision statement, the Board of Elders and our vision statement, we are not so clearly a Chinese church. Things are changing. We're more a mixed culture church, and intentionally so. And the question becomes, how can we use this to be useful in our mission to the people around us. Now, before we talk any more about us, let's look at it very briefly at a multicultural church in the first century. The Church of Antioch was a multicultural church. Because of it, the gospel spread beyond its original limits. Acts chapter 11, verses 19 to 21. Those Jews from Jerusalem and Palestine who'd been scattered by the persecution broke out. that broke out when Stephen was killed, they traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch. But they were Jews from Palestine. So as they traveled outside of Palestine to escape persecution, as they traveled north of Palestine and Phoenicia, as they traveled off the coast of Cyprus, as they traveled up to Antioch, they spread the word only among Jews. So you see, they were willing to bridge the Jews from Palestine. They were willing to bridge, but they could only bridge so far. They took one step. They took a step to Jews that were outside Palestine and talked to them about Jesus. But some of them were not Jews from Palestine. Some of them, Jews from Cyprus and Cyrene, they went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also. So these Jews who were from Palestine could take one step across the bridge, to reach Jews from other places. But the Jews who were already raised, born and raised in North Africa, Cyrene, or off the coast of Turkey, in Cyprus, they took a second step. Not only did they talk to Jews in those other places, they talked to Greeks in those other places. And then in Acts chapter 13, the gospel had been preached in Antioch. And now you've got Jews and you've got Gentiles in the church in Antioch. And then what happens in Acts chapter 13? The the church of Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, right? They were worshiping the Lord and fasting. And the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul. So here you've got a church in Antioch that was planted by Jews from Palestine. And then they take the next step. They're Jews that grew up in the diaspora and then they send Paul and Barnabas. Now, Barnabas from Cyprus, Paul from Tarsus, uh, both outside of Palestine. They were already cross-cultural. And God called the cross-cultural church, the bridge church in Antioch, to send out Paul and to send out Barnabas to reach Greeks around the world. And then Acts chapter 13, the two of them, sent by the Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they went to Cyprus. And then from, in Cyprus, from Paphras, then they sailed to Perga and Pamphylia. And from Perga, they went on a city in Antioch. Because they were already raised overseas, they were bicultural, they were Jew, and yet they understood the Hellenistic world. They, had, they were Hellenized Jews. Then they could take the gospel even further. And then in Acts chapter 13, verses 44 to 49, as the Jews rejected their message, Paul and Barnabas said, Now we turn to the Gentiles, for this is what the Lord has commanded us. I will make you a light to the nations, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. Basically, what we have going on... Hello. Looking for my button. Basically, the Jews from Palestine brought the gospel up to Phoenicia and up to Antioch. But it was the Jews from Cyprus or the Jews from Cyrene or the Jews from Tarsus who took the gospel further into Turkey and then from there around the world. So people, basically, I guess we're all wired that we can make a step. But then it's those people who make the next step. And the gospel spreads from one region of the world to another, through people who serve as bridges. It's hard to serve as a bridge more than one step at a time. So we, as a church, then, consider who can we reach? For whom can we be a bridge? Now, add any diagram, okay, it's whatever. It's, I try to make a diagram to make this a little bit clearer, make this more concrete. Consider those who are purely Chinese culture. C squared. you know Chinese language, Chinese culture. Uh, I chose red because, well, you know why I chose red if you're Chinese. I got good news. If you're really C squared, I don't know what you're doing here this morning, but we got, we got a place for you. It's not here, because you probably prefer Chinese culture, you probably prefer Chinese food, and you probably prefer Chinese language. But we got a place for you. Just come right back here to this place, 9.30, next week. We can meet your needs. There are other people you could say as you know, American squared. Monocultural. Monocultural Chinese, monocultural Americans. Now, monocultural Americans don't have to be white, although I chose... <laughs> but they don't have to be white i illustrate. When my family and I moved, we were from overseas, we, moved, we spent one year, I had a research fellowship in Wheaton, Illinois. Wow. Illinois. I'm sorry, if you're from Illinois, I like you, but, I mean, if I know you, I like you, but I would, we knew we were in a white place because, you know, the, the Wheaton College basketball team came out. And four out of the five starters, not only were they white, but they had blonde hair. They were Scandinavian white. Uh, you know, it, but it wasn't just. It's not a matter of skin color, because we went to a, a church there, an Asian church there, and if I close my eyes, it sounded entirely American. And then, if I open my eyes and ignore skin color, the clothing, the mannerisms, everything looked entirely American. So, it doesn't. It's not really a matter of race. But if what you want really is a monocultural American experience, we really, you know, we can't help you. We can, oh, well, we can help you a little bit. We can give you addresses of where you can go to find monocultural American churches. But that's not who we are. If you want to stay here, you're welcome, but you're going to have to live with a little bit of discomfort because we're not monocultural. But between those two poles, this is really who we are. Uh, you know, maybe we're... Americanized Chinese, and I'm talking about culture more than anything else. Maybe some of us are Americanized Chinese, C to the A. Some of us are Sinicized Americans. Hey, (laughs) I wrote a book on Chinese religion, yeah? (laughs) I know more about some aspects of Chinese religion than most Singaporeans, and we got other people here who really have a heart for reaching China, Sinicized Americans. Hey, this is a great place for you. And then, because we're bicultural, we can also invite, connect with other people who are bicultural. I told you about my son, the older son, who went to Wheaton Christian School. For the first time, he found people he fit in with. In Singapore, he was considered white boy. He didn't fit in. Over here, he's considered Hispanic, because he's mixed. They can't tell. They think he's Hispanic, and he doesn't really fit in. But in Wheaton College, he, he found a place where he fit in. Not because they were Christian, but because they had other missionary kids there. And he fit in with the kids from violence-torn countries in Africa. Not just with the kids from China. So biculturals can fit with us. You know, basically, these are the, this is the kind of people we are, and the kind of people we can reach. Monocultural Chinese, we can send you to the Chinese ministry. Uh, monocultural is American. Good people. We can send you to some churches that are monocultural. But for us, this is our heart to be. This is what we want to be. We want to be bicultural. Oh, we are bicultural. And we can use those channels, those bridges for the gospel to reach other people who are bicultural. Whether they're bicultural Chinese-American, whether they're bicultural Americanized Chinese, or whether they're bicultural and they just simply don't have a place full of people like themselves. Concretely, what does it mean? Brian's already talked about this. I would just reinforce it. It means we probably, certainly surely need a new name. Because whenever you say, oh, you know, just like a week ago, a conversation with a contractor. He asked me what I did for a living. I'm a pastor, what church you're in. It's so awkward to tell them I'm from the Chinese Bible Church. And I'm from the Chinese Church in Lexington. Because immediately, it's not awkward for me, I don't mind, but immediately in their minds, oh, I can't go there. Kills the conversation. They don't even say it. Right? So we want to change our name. We want to change our branding. You know, our, there's a lot more involved in, in a, than just our name. But we want to change the, the, we want to, the atmosphere to be clear, what we are. And then the website. You know, we, have, we really need a website that looks and feels more or less bicultural or American, rather than overseas. So we're going to be looking together at these things. Brian Che is leading the effort, and he's going to be pulling together some sub-teams. If you would like to be part of that, let him know, or send him that email address that he gave. This is really what our mission is, to use who we are as a bridge to people that are like us. Whether they be predominantly Chinese but interested in American culture, predominantly American and interested in Chinese culture, or whether they be bicultural and they simply don't want a monocultural experience. This is who we are, and this is what God has called us to. We invite you to consider what role you might have to play in that mission from God. Let's pray together. Father, we ask for your grace to be with us. As we think about these things, as we strategize these things, we ask for your grace not only to be with us, but to work through us in the lives of those around us. We ask for your grace in Jesus' name. Amen.